Now, I know you guys appreciate a really good, strange story when you hear one. Well, how would you like to hear a story about a teen solo hiker who was terrorized for days by unknown figures dressed in white? Or maybe a story about two cops who quit their job at a local theater because of unexplained encounters with an alleged demon. Well, if either of those pique your interest, those are just a few of the dark and mysterious stories you'll hear each week on the Mr. Ballin Podcast. In each episode, Mr. Ballin shares real, haunting accounts, like the case of Haley Zaga, who disappeared from a hiking trail for 51 hours. When search and rescue workers finally found her and asked how she survived, she simply said a friend helped her. She described his friend as four years old, black hair and brown eyes. Now this quote-unquote friend was initially dismissed until they realized a girl had gone missing in that exact spot 23 years earlier. And she was never found. Now here's the creepy part. She was four years old, had black hair and brown eyes. Now not only is Mr. Ballin a great storyteller, but the topics he covers never fail to creep me out. Now, Prime members, listen to the Amazon Music-exclusive podcast, Mr. Ballin Podcast, Strange, Dark, and Mysterious Stories, in the Amazon Music app. Download the app today. Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. And just how are you this fine, rainy evening? It's absolutely pouring outside, Monsters Among Us Studios. There are gusts of wind that make me wonder if the oak and cedar just outside my window will suddenly be inside. But anyone around these parts, Southern California for those new to the program, will tell you that we need the rain. And I am grateful for it. Not only because the countryside is parched, but because it makes for great storytelling weather. You sit yourself beside a roaring fireplace as the rain pounds a cabin's tin roof. Let me try this. Oh yeah, that's much better. Now why don't you pour yourself another cup of whiskey, or a cup of coffee, or maybe chocolate milk, and drag your bones over to the hearth, and lend us your ears. 
because William has a story for us from just down the road. Hi, my name is William. I've called you before. I have a story for you. Coming from the Thin Valley, California, I was going through some old episodes, and I'm on season nine, episode 16, and a dude was talking about, I think his name was David, about turning onto Rabbit Springs Road and seeing the weird creature that looked like a dog with mange. Well, he didn't say what color it was, but I think I've seen the same thing that he did. Um, I was really young, probably about 10 or 11, and when you go to Apple Valley, California, it's kind of a long trip, so from a certain Apple Valley, it's kind of like a day trip where you go out, you pick your stuff up, and then you come back. I went out there with my mom, and we're coming back. It's probably like 9.30 or 10 at night, and we're driving. we just gotten off of Rabbit Springs, and we're turning up the road to go towards our house. And we're, the headlights were on, and this thing jumped across the road. It wasn't, it was more like hopping. We're in a van, and it was probably up to like the hood. And it, it hopped across the road super fast, but it was gray and kind of had a hunchback to it. So it was really just a blur because of how fast it went. But that kind of sounds like, what he was describing because it was like that. But yeah, I just thought I would let you know about that because he said he wanted to hear if anybody else had any other experiences of that thing. I think I did. But yeah, thank you for the podcast and have a good night. Thanks, William. He's, of course, speaking of the Lucerne Valley, a mere 20 miles from my home and studio as the crow flies. In fact, if I climb the right hill around here, I can probably look down and see it. And boy, do I get excited when monsters show up at my doorstep. But before I geek out on this local lore, let's explore the call that inspired William to call in. David's entry from Season 9, Episode 16. After all, if we do have two submissions about the same monster in the same place... We should do our due diligence and review them both. So again, here from Season 9, Episode 16, is David. Hello, my name is David. About six or seven years ago, I was living in Lucerne Valley when I was working in Hesperia. About an hour from there, I was commuting home one night. It was dark, just barely, maybe. Taking the back way to my house, so it cuts about five minutes off. I was coming up on an intersection, make the right-hand turn on the Rabbit Springs Road, and in the middle of the lane, there was a large creature. It looked a lot like a dog with mange. Um, Yeah, I was driving a full-size Ford Bronco at the time, and where it was standing, well, hunched over, it was almost at eye level with me. It was quite large. I had never seen anything like that. I'm fairly familiar with the animals in the area, and generally just animals you would find in the wild. It's, I, I searched everywhere when I got home that night to try to find something similar. I wish I had more information with you, but I didn't really get a great view of it. Maybe three seconds total while it was in my headlights, and I kind of stepped on the gas and went around it as quick as possible. While I was driving past it, it just kind of, just kind of watched me. 
but that's about it. Uh, I'd like to know if anybody else has anything similar because uh, that's mainly, I just, I want to know what the heck I saw. Thanks, David. You know, it seems like David and William need to get together. They seem to have more than a few things in common. They'd be fast friends, I imagine. But never mind that, because it's breakdown time. Now, both stories seem to originate from the same stretch of road. By my estimations, maybe a mile or so apart. Now, this area is fairly desolate. Sloping desert hills covered in rocks and waist-high scrub brush, with plenty of canyons and washes woven in between. Not the sort of place you'd imagine a monster would live, but also not likely the place you'd look for one either. Now both witnesses reported something large in the road, something neither of them could identify. But I'm wondering if that is where the similarities seem to end because the descriptions of the two creatures that were witnessed those evenings do not seem to match up. Now, honestly, I wish we had more detailed descriptions of what was witnessed, but I believe that William's creature was bipedal, and David's possibly on all fours, and William's being humanoid in shape, and David seemed to be more canine in nature. Now this might all be thrown on its head when I tell you that this area already has a monster. And its description, well, it's not a match either. If you were to travel down Highway 247 as it winds through the Johnson Valley of Southern California, you might be forgiven if you thought it just another empty desert road. But if you were to drive this highway at night, you might have a completely different experience. For reports have come in going back 50 years or more by travelers and locals of a strange creature seen up on the highway, a creature they've dubbed the Cement Monster. Although no pictures of the creature exist, it's said to stand 8 feet tall, be covered with hair, monstrously muscled, with a face that looks like an early man or prehistoric caveman. Often seen up on the highway at night, it seemed to favor an area near an old abandoned cement factory. Hence its name, the Cement Monster. Now that clip courtesy of a highly recommended YouTube series by M.L. Berman called Mojave Mysteries. Now I've linked to it in the show notes, so go watch the rest of the video on this mysterious creature. M.L. posits some interesting theories about a recent scientific discovery involving pre-human settlements here in the United States. Trust me, just go watch it. That leaves us with a third description, more man-like in appearance, not unlike the stereotypical caveman. So that leaves me with more questions than answers. The truth is, I simply don't know. But it is interesting to have two sightings and a legend all within half a dozen miles or so, but to have all three with different descriptions. Now could it be that the entity in question morphs in its appearance? A shapeshifter, a werewolf, or dare I say, skinwalker. Or is this some sort of misidentification of a known animal? I'll keep my ears open for new reports, 
Maybe I'll even drive over there one day. Now, although it's only 20 miles as the crow flies, it's well over a three-hour round trip from here, thanks to narrow and winding mountain roads. You know, there's another option here if either of the two callers want to call back in and elaborate on their descriptions. I'd be happy to re-explore this case. Until then, a huge thanks to both the callers. Now, I've been receiving an increased number of doppelganger stories lately. And truth be told, at first they didn't seem to bother me. But these last few that have come in, well, they've been, in a word, unsettling. Including this heartstopper from Andrew in the state of Arizona. Hey, Derek. My name is Andrew, and I'm calling from northern Arizona. Well, Sedona, to be exact. Sedona is really kind of in the center of the state, but in Arizona, we consider that northern Arizona. So this story takes place when I was four years old. I have a really incredible memory. I don't know why or how, but I remember simple and notable things from when I was one, two, three, four years old, etc. I just, I don't know why I remember that stuff, but I do. And so this is a story that took place when I was four years old. When I was little, growing up on the north side of Indianapolis, we lived in a townhome. The townhome was not wide. It was really narrow, but it was long. I was in the back of the townhome on the lower floor playing with my toys. My brother and sister were at school and my dad was gone on a business trip. He was a traveling salesman. So my mom comes into the living room which is at the very back of the lower floor of the townhome. And she says, Andy, get your toys. We need to go. So you need to take your toys upstairs to your room. So I thought, okay, I can do that. And I start to collect all my toys. And I, my mom walks out of the room and I grab a couple of my little action figures and I look down the hallway and I see her go into the kitchen. And so, you know, Nothing nothing notable about that necessarily, just as she goes in the kitchen. And I grab the rest of my toys and I start to haul it all down the long hallway to the front of the townhome to the stairway. So as I go down this long, narrow hallway, I can hear clanking and I hear water and I can hear dishes. And I know that my mom is working on things in the kitchen. So I peek in the kitchen as I walk by And I can see her back to me, and she's over the sink, scrubbing plates or whatever. So I turn around and keep going, and I get to the stairs. The stairs, um, it's a long stairway because the ceilings are high. We have very high ceilings in the townhome, so it's a long, narrow stairway. And the steps are not normal height and width. They're kind of taller than normal and more narrow than normal. And so I remember it was always difficult going up and down the stairs. So I tried to be very careful because I had fallen a few times on them. So I get my toys and I lug them up the stairs and I'm walking, walking, walking. And I get to the top of the stairs and I'm exhausted. So I sit down, set my toys down and lean against the wall to catch my breath. And lo and behold, the entire time going up the stairs, I can hear my mom in the kitchen, dishes and all. When I'm sitting there with my back against the wall, 
I hear steps coming from my mom and dad's bedroom. Well, there's nobody home, but my mom and I, and my mom's in the kitchen. So from out of her room comes my mom walking out of her room and toward me on the stairs. So I'm very uh, dumbfounded and I have probably what is a blank, terrified stare on my face. And my mom just has this expressionless, empty shell of a stare. And she walks right past me, doesn't say anything, and goes down the stairs. So the big question I had for myself is, if my mom is downstairs washing dishes, there's no way she could have gotten past me to go upstairs to her room while I was lugging my toys up the stairs. How on earth did she get up there and walk from her bedroom and then while she walks past me to go down the stairs with an empty shell of an expression, I can hear the water in the dishes clanking. So she's still downstairs washing their dishes. What happened? What on earth was that? So that's my story. I don't know if that's a case of a doppelganger. I don't really know much about what that would be, but just a strange glitch in the matrix. So I hope you enjoy that story, Derek. I love the energy and the passion you put into the show. It's very much appreciated by everybody. In the review that I wrote on Apple iTunes, I said that I always feel like I get to pull a log up next to the fire and get to sit down and hear all of you tell your stories. And it's like, if we all got together for a barbecue sometime, I have a feeling we'd all be incredible friends and enjoy sharing these stories. But I really, really love this podcast. I've been binging it for a while, and I'm a Patreon subscriber, and I just, I love it. It's changed my life. So thank you very much, and uh, to all of you out there, call in with your stories. Make a recording. Send it in. I want to hear it, and so do a lot of other people. So thank you. Take care. Well, I told you. Thank you, Andrew, and thanks for the support over at Patreon. And you know, folks, Andrew is right. If you have a story, we would love to hear it. Call our 24-hour hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. And as the late, great Robert Stack used to say, if you wish, you need not leave your name. Now next up, some sort of possession or body infestation or hostile takeover. Whatever it is, here's Katie from Virginia to tell us about it. Hey, Derek. It's Katie again from Virginia. Well, I have another story for the listeners and for you. It actually happened about an hour away from my house. There's a tunnel that is an hour away from me in Lexington. And a lot of people in Virginia on this Virginia Ghost Encounters fan page on Facebook have heard of it because I posted my story. This probably happened last year around like October 12th, October 13th. Me and my boyfriend at the time and our friend and her daughter and our other friend ended up going to a graveyard and then they had a smart idea to go to this tunnel. And when we got there, my boyfriend and our friend went down there and after that me her daughter and our other friend we stayed at my boyfriend's jeep 
And we were just standing there, and as they were walking down there, like, their voices and everything were muffled. And they weren't barely not even, like, 300 feet away from us. And it sounds crazy, but it was weird. But anyways, there's been a bunch of stories and stuff, like, on YouTube about it and everything. My point is that when I went over there to the tunnel, my friend had a freak out next to my boyfriend my boyfriend started rubbing his neck and everything i actually have photos that i did email you but i don't know if you got them though that look like scratch marks all around his neck now he has trim nails and they were kind of separated apart from each other so there's no way in hell that it was my friend doing it to him but people have said that it looks like new markings around his neck because there's stories about a plantation that used to be behind the tunnel and there was a hanging tree there so i don't know if it's like a recreation of something demonic or whatever long story short we ended up driving home and i kind of blacked out into the morning and my boyfriend came up to me and he's like do you know what you did last night and i said no and he's like well when we were on our way home, you told me that you wanted to effing kill me, that you were just so angry and so frustrated. So I stopped in front of the Methodist church and forced you to get out of the car and touch it. And as soon as we got home, we were fine. Like you were totally fine. Now, till this day, like I just moved into a new house not too long ago. And I have had so many weird experiences in my old apartment, my boyfriend's dog, at the time and my dog used to see shadow figures and everything it was just nuts like freaking nuts and it was just crazy because we have staged that apartment and the house I'm living in now and it's just insane to the point that you see something and you don't want to believe it but I had so much negative energy And I felt so like, you know, after he left me and stuff because personal business, you know, he did leave me. But like after that, like, I just felt like there was a lot more negativity in the house. Now, the house that we live in now, that I live in now, I found a Bible downstairs and, you know, I've opened it and stuff like that, but I closed it and it remains downstairs. I don't go near it. I don't go near the basement or anything. Well, basically what happened was a couple weeks ago, I've been living in this house by myself for probably close to two months now. And I started hearing somebody with keys outside the house walking outside my house. So I thought it was my neighbor because my neighbor works late shift at the local paper mill near our house. But anyways, I thought it was my neighbor but the sound was coming from outside and I had an AC vent, an air conditioner in my window. So there was a little crack where you could hear the outside, but there's just like a little hole there that you could hear stuff. And I swear to you, Derek, it sounded like they were walking around my house trying to get in my house. Now I got up, looked around. At that time I was talking to somebody and They told me on the phone, they're like, you need to call the police. Like, this is serious. And I'm like, no, no, 
like it's fine and they knew about like you know my whole paranormal experiences and stuff like that and they're like no you need to stage your house again and this is probably the third time that I did it at that time and the next night my dog kept waking up the next couple nights growling in the kitchen and I saw a form of a shadow figure standing in my kitchen now I don't know if it's negative or not in my house like right now because I'm sitting on my couch and everything I don't really feel any negativity but I'm telling you when I go down in the basement it just feels dense very clouded and just very like I can't really explain it to you on the half of my neighbor though my neighbor says that a long time ago there's a back house to their house and it was used as slave quarters back in the day so I don't know if the energy that I took from the tunnel affected you know the energy that he has from next door you know because literally we live like a house next to a house so there's like probably eight and a half ten feet between our houses because our yards are connected to each other um but I just wanted to send this story in because I really believe that I was possessed by something and I'm not going to give the tunnel name out if anybody who lives in Virginia knows of a tunnel in Lexington you know what you're getting into and it's just crazy Derek I really hope you do your research on this tunnel there are a bunch of YouTube videos out there that you can use for evidence and put it out there for people but I'm just warning you and warning everybody else I will never be returning to that tunnel again ever ever again even though it's funny because I got a new job and I work literally like not even 25 minutes away from there love the podcast I've been catching up I've been kind of late you know catching up on every episode but I appreciate you. I appreciate everything you do. And I know everybody else does. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Now she's referring to the Poorhouse Road Tunnel in Lexington, Virginia. And I managed to find a few things about it online, which I linked to in the show notes. But I think it's a story better saved for a hometown legends episode. But this is a perfect reminder to get your local legends gathered and submitted as soon as possible. We're already nearing the halfway point of this season, believe it or not, which means that Hometown Legends is right around the corner. Now remember, when you call in, make sure you say the words Hometown Legends early on in your story so that my fancy word searcher can pick you out of the crowd. Now I've included the photos that Katie referenced in the show notes that show some sort of redness on the gentleman's neck. That mixed with Katie's odd behavior. And I tell you, I can't wait to hear more about this place. So thank you again, Katie, for calling in. And thanks for putting it on our radar. Do you want to really impress the people on your holiday shopping list this year? Check out Uncommon Goods. Whether you're shopping for a coworker or your entire family, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone even those hard-to-buy-for people on your list. Now, I think the best gifts are something the recipient wouldn't buy for themselves, but would really enjoy and appreciate. Well, Uncommon Goods has everything from an indoor s'mores fire pit for your living room, 
to a spooky Phantom Ink game. Whether you're looking for home decor, jewelry, or outdoor gear, they have plenty of awesome options for unique gift giving. Also, when you shop Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. Many of the items are handmade in small batches, so shop early. And with every purchase made at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've already donated over $2.5 million to date. Not to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com forward slash monsters among us. That's uncommongoods.com forward slash monsters among us for 15% off. Now don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods. We're all out of the ordinary. Now here's one I've been itching to play for you guys. Ireland from Minnesota. Welcome to the show. Hi, Eric. My name is Ireland. I am from southern Minnesota. I kind of debated whether or not to call this in because it's not necessarily scary. It's just kind of strange. Like I said, I live in southern Minnesota, and I was driving home from work. It was mid-afternoon in this time of year. Down here, up here, I suppose for you, the corn is high. So we have a lot of field corn and sweet corn and whatnot on most of our roads around here. And I myself live out in the country in a very rural area. So to go home, you pass by cornfields. So there's tall corn on each side of the road. And I was just, you know, kind of doing my normal routine, driving home from work. And I was watching, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 yards ahead of me in, in, in on the road, a person on a bicycle was driving their bike from the right side of the road to the left side of the road. And in and of itself, that wasn't really that strange. But the weird part, it was one of those really, really old-fashioned bicycles with the huge, exaggerated front wheel, the tiny handlebars, and the, the smaller back wheel. And I just thought, well, that's weird. You know, somebody must have got a bike at like a rummage sale or like an antique shop and they're taking it, you know, for a ride. But I didn't even think those things actually worked. So anyway, I watched it go from the right side of the road to the left side of the road. And that when I got up to it, it just wasn't there. Like it drove into the cornfield. But that's not possible because corn, I mean, you could maybe weave in and out of it if you wanted to, but it's just it's too thick. You can't ride a bicycle in, in a cornfield in the beginning of September. It's just impossible. So when I first saw it, I thought, well, that's weird. You know, that somebody has this antique bike. And then when I got up to it and saw it wasn't there, then I kind of realized maybe I didn't see what I thought I saw, or maybe it was my imagination. I, I don't know, but I can't think of anything that could have possibly been this strange-looking bike and somebody riding it. There's no, like, ATV or regular bikes that would have looked exactly like this and went into the cornfield, but it was really strange. So, anyway, that's what I saw. It was the middle of the afternoon, so it was daylight. I could see it plain as day from one side of the road to the next, and then it was just gone. There was no bike or person in the cornfield after that. Anyway, I very much enjoy your podcast. I commute to and from work, and I religiously listen to it every day. So please keep up what you're doing. Thank you, and have a great day. 
Thank you, Ireland. Now she's talking about the penny farthing bicycle. Named that because of the British coins. Representing each of the bike's mismatched wheels. And as you've probably guessed, they fell out of popularity a long time ago. They were really only used from the 1870s to the 1880s. And sure, I suppose some collectors may have them. But not many of them ride them. And even fewer ride them into a cornfield. Which brings me to another of Ireland's points I'd like to elaborate on. She'd mentioned that the bike could not have ridden into the field of corn. Well, I actually grew up around corn. And I have to disagree. I'm certain you can ride a bike into one of these rows. You see, corn is planted in a straight line, with a 30 or so inch gap in between each row to allow work on the plants and room for them to grow. Now, 30 inches isn't much, but I think you could ride a bike through that. I'm not sure about a 150-year-old bike, and I certainly wouldn't want to. The leaves on a corn stalk can be razor sharp, and a rider would likely emerge on the other side covered in little paper cuts. So what does that leave us with? A glitch in the matrix. A time slip of some sort. Or a ghost on an old-timey bicycle. Whatever it is, I absolutely love the detail. And we thank you again, Ireland, for sharing it with us. Now, folks, the store is stocked to the brim, ready for the holiday season. So if you have a loved one that also listens to the show, we're your one-stop shop this gift-giving season. And here's the best part. All proceeds go directly to help the show grow and expand. Well, except for a small percentage from the posters. Some of those proceeds goes to the Navajo Water Project, a nonprofit aiming to bring running water to those in need, beginning with our friends over at the Navajo Nation. So visit monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop or just tap that shop tab and that'll get you there. Now, like I said, everything is stocked. The shipping is fast. So what is it you're waiting for? Now, this next entry takes us to Texas. Israel. Take it away. Hey, Derek. This is Israel from uh, West Texas. And I'm calling about a... It's not necessarily a hometown legend, but more of a neighborhood legend. Out of nowhere, I just barely remember this, and still creeps me out to this day. What had happened was, I was, I want to say, eight years old, and my older cousin was with me. She was about 12. And so we were at my grandma's house. We were just being kids, and it was night. Ooh, gives me chills still. Uh, and uh, so the way my grandma's house is laid out is uh, to park is like a little hill. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, yeah, that's where you park. And uh, me and her, we were on there, and uh, we were, I can't remember exactly what we were doing, but we were there, and uh, we were facing the street. And then uh, that's when I noticed this weird uh, shadow on the street. What made me catch its attention, it was dark. You could see it at night. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. I'm sorry, but uh, like it just, it, it was pitch black, and you were able to see it even while it was dark. So that's what, uh, 
was creepy about it. And then when I told my cousin, hey, do you see that? And as soon as she looked at it, it ran away. But the way it ran away, it was like a, the way a rocking horse moves. So that still gives me the creeps. I haven't heard anyone call about that. So I thought I'd just call about that. And uh, about the neighborhood legend. So my grandpa had told me that uh, before they bought that house, the previous owner was a devil worshiper. So uh, I don't know if that could have any uh, effect to what I saw or what, but yeah, I just wanted to call this in. Uh, thank you for the show. Thank you, sir. You know, this is very reminiscent of William and David's entries from the beginning of the show. The odd shape and strange method of movement specifically stand out to me. And I don't know if we can categorize this as some sort of out-of-place animal, or maybe a cryptid, or if it's something else altogether, like a shadow entity or some sort of spirit. But I can say that we thank you, Israel, for sharing whatever it was with us. I think we can sneak in one more call before the ad break. Let's pick this one from Hunter here in California. Hey, Derek and fellow monsters. My name's Hunter. I'm from Southern California. And 2019 was a big year of UFOs. I and a friend saw a UFO and actually took a video of it. I could send that in later, but for now, I'll just describe what happened. So the first one was at Huntington State Beach on November 3rd, 2019. The video says at 6.43 p.m. So in the video, you'll see a fireball in the sky, and pretty much we're facing the pier towards the beach, and we're in front of these bathrooms, and my friend, I'm with uh, two friends, two two guy friends, and one of one of their girlfriends, and we're all having a beer in front of the bathrooms on the left side of the pier. So one of my friends spots the fireball in the sky that's moving towards the left. And we all look up and we see it. And we're all getting eerie about it because, like, we've seen it. We've, I'm 21. I've, I've lived long enough to think I know what I think aircraft look like. And to know that all of us are saying, like, that is not an aircraft. Like, that does not look, that looks abnormal. You know what I mean? So pretty much there's a plane flying. So it's flying to the left, fireball, and it's about a, a plane. In the video, it turns out there's actually more than one plane, but the plane's going towards the right, and they kind of intercept, and you just have to see the video because the jet, like, the way it's just moving, man, it's hard to describe it. Uh, and it's, it's dark, so it's hard to see, but the planes are blinking and the fireball's moving, and I'm zooming in and out, and it's hard to tell, like, exactly how fast it's going and you know what I mean but pretty much so it's still moving towards the left and the planes or the jets or whatever that are blinking fly over it and keep going to the right and the thing's still going to the left and I take a video about 30 seconds to a minute and I take down my video and I just wish I just kept filming because like not even 30 seconds after I stopped filming I put my phone down the fireball is just floating towards the left right and then all of a sudden, Star Wars light speed skywalking into the space and spawn in an instant. And we all flipped out. We're all flipping out. And what was crazy about that was that 
a bunch of military personnel like I, after about like about 10 minutes after it took off I've never seen so many aircraft in the sky before I, I was taking count and I lost count of how many planes I would see in the sky how much aircraft and then not only that there was helicopters there was like two helicopters flying over where the fireball was in towards the fireball in the sky like around the ocean like it's hard to describe but pretty much like it was just rotating a light like a searchlight and it looked like it was trying to replicate what we saw like it was trying to cover it up it, it, it was just very very eerie you know what i mean and then not only that the last thing about that story is that after those helicopters a few minutes after i've never seen i've never seen in my entire life a swarm of jets a, 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 like a squad of jets coming from camp pendleton flying from the south up north towards the coast and yeah like i've never seen squads of jets flying that night obviously they were there for what we saw it was obvious you know what i mean uh, I have the video, I should figure out how to send that to you. And I have a second story about a UFO that happened in December, about a month after. Happened in a friend in San Clemente. Uh, I, I don't know why, I, I, I think I said earlier that I'm from San Clemente. This story happened in Huntington Beach. Yeah, in front of the pier. Thank you for letting me tell the story. Bye. There is a lot to unpack here. But first off, thank you, Hunter. Now, the area that he's referring to, Huntington Beach, is an hour or so south of Los Angeles, right on the Pacific coast. And like L.A., it too has its fair share of UFO sightings, especially out over the water. USOs, as they call them. Unidentified submerged objects, on account of them dipping in and out of the ocean. And that area from, I'd say, Santa Barbara all the way down to South Orange County seems to be a hotbed for this activity. And you know, it has been for a while. As this early 2000s episode of History Channel's UFO Files can attest. This is the Santa Catalina Channel, a 26-mile-wide stretch of the Pacific Ocean separating the city of Los Angeles from Catalina Island. According to experts, these waters, portions of which might be as deep as Mount Everest is high, may contain some of the world's darkest mysteries. In recent years, escalating reports of unidentified submerged objects, or USOs, flying into and out of the channel have caused great concern to local residents and researchers. The whole area here is just a huge hotbed of UFO activity. I've uncovered probably two, three hundred cases of UFOs flying over the mountains and over the water here. It's just a huge hotspot. Preston Dennett is the author of UFOs Over California. He has been investigating USO activity in this area. You know, I've linked to that full episode if you're interested. And it's free over on the YouTubes. Now, I do have the two videos that Hunter referenced in his call. And truth be told, one is a solid orange light in the sky with an approaching plane, just as he described. But the other, and that one is more peculiar. It appears to be filmed through a car's passenger window and shows a very vibrant blue light hovering in the sky. But just before the video cuts out, you can clearly see the blue orb shoot left and out of frame at an incredible speed. 
a speed that no human could possibly withstand. Now, I don't get to work with video evidence all that often, so I contact a good friend, Emmy Award winner, and editor of her still upcoming film, Shadows in the Desert, Matt Van Hosen, and asked him to take a look. Now, specifically, I was concerned about two things, especially pertaining to the video of the blue light object. First, I wanted to know if it was digitally manipulated in any way. In other words, was the light added in post using a computer? And secondly, could we be seeing the reflection of something inside the car off the window rather than observing something in the sky past the window? But without prompting him on any of those questions, this is what he had to say. Hey, Derek. I took a look at those videos you sent me. Now, I am not a forensic video expert, but they are very compelling. In the first video, the orange light in the sky was described by the original caller, uh, after seeing them with his own eyes, as a fireball. And if you watch the zoomed in and stabilized footage, it really does appear to pulse and flicker the way a fireball might. The second video has a blue orb, and that is quite interesting to me as well. When I was watching this, I went frame by frame looking for any kind of logical explanation or visual clues as to what might be going on here, and I just couldn't find anything. My immediate thought was that it might be a reflection in the windshield, but it really doesn't seem crisp enough for that. Filming a reflection on the car's glass would technically be focusing on something just a few inches away from the camera, maybe a foot away from the camera. But this blue orb was really soft, suggesting to me that it's a little further away. It also moves independent of everything else in the frame, and when zoomed in, you can see it, it kind of warbles or morphs. Again, suggesting to me that it truly is at a distance. Also, when it zooms off screen, it leaves a light trail, and that light trail really seems kind of natural and authentic to something that would be moving that fast. So ultimately, I have no idea what these are. They may or may not be UAPs, but I definitely wouldn't consider them to be CGI or anything else that was done to be intentionally misleading. At the end of the day, these are very interesting and very compelling. It seems he answered both my questions before I even had time to ask them. And to me, it sounds like it's not CGI. And it's likely not a reflection either. So what the hell was it? A huge thanks to Matt for taking the time to review these clips. Of course, I've linked to both of them in tonight's show notes at MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com. So go over and take a look. Matt was also kind enough to stabilize and slow down both videos. Again, you can find them in the show notes. Now, I'm not sure if any of these enhancements did anything to solve the mystery. But we can certainly get a better look at whatever this thing is. So again, a huge thanks to Matt for all his help here. And a huge thanks to you as well, Hunter. For not only sharing the videos, but that story as well. Now, real quick before I continue... You might recall on last week's episode, an anonymous caller reported something strange in the skies over Ellington Airport in Houston, Texas, back on September 23rd. Well, a listener named Eric had some insight on that case, and via email sent me the following public notice, posted by the Houston Police Department. 
Beginning tomorrow, September 13th, the Department of Defense, in conjunction with the Houston Police Department and other local and federal law enforcement agencies, will be conducting training exercises within the city of Houston through Friday, September 23rd. These annually planned multi-agency training exercises are aimed to better improve service to our communities and are not in response to any current events. Residents may hear noises or see low-flying helicopters as part of the exercise. The public should not be alarmed and does not need to call 911 during the training exercises. Those with non-urgent concerns or inquiries can call 311. To help maintain the highest level of security, the exercises are not open to the public. Well, maybe that settles it. Thanks, Eric, for the heads up. Unless this is your first time listening to Monsters Among Us, you've already heard me talk about microdosing and how all sorts of people are microdosing to manage pain, elevate their mood, and more. Microdosing has especially been a huge help for me when dealing with insomnia and anxiety. It helps me to chill out at the end of a long day and fall asleep more easily on those nights when my mind won't seem to shut off. Now tonight's show is sponsored by Microdose Gummies by Lumi Labs. Microdose Gummies deliver the perfect entry-level doses of THC and CBD that help you feel just the right amount of good. Now before you tense up with my mention of THC, keep in mind that Microdose Gummies are completely legal everywhere in the United States. And while these gummies contain cannabinoids, remember I'm not talking about getting quote-unquote high like it's some sort of Jimmy Buffett concert. No, I'm talking about entry-level doses to help you wind down, manage pain, and sleep like a baby. Now, Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code MONSTERSAMONGUS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes, but again, that's microdose.com and code MONSTERSAMONGUS. Now, as always, supporting our sponsor supports the show. So thank you for listening. And back to the Nightmare Fuel. Eat. Okay, it's time to hear from Heather, the state of Missouri. Heather, the mic is yours. Let's hear what you got. Hi, Derek. My name is Heather. I'm calling from uh, Missouri. A lot of things have happened at the school in the town that I live in. I live in a teeny tiny town called Risco. I'm a high school teacher there, and several of the other teachers and students have had things happen. I've, one of the things that happened to me was I go up to school a lot on the weekends just to grade and get lesson plans ready. And one of my sons is in college, and he went with me to, to work on a paper. And we had to use a side door because it was on the weekend. And my classroom is one way, and the office was another way. I need to go to the office. So I told him just to go ahead and walk down to my room because I thought it was unlocked. So I went to the office and um, laid something on the secretary's desk, turned around, had this eerie feeling, which I get an eerie feeling up there anyways when it's, when it's after hours and it's dark. It's just a really old school. And uh, started walking back towards my room. This whole building is just a very small building shaped like an ale. I started walking back towards my room to make that turn, and I heard someone whisper my name three times. And I turned around, it kind of startled me. And I said, yeah, real loud. And I was like, hey, did I really hear that? So 
I walked down to my room and asked my son, just said, did you hear me? He said, yeah, I heard you. And I was like, man, I just heard somebody whisper my name. So anyways, I don't go in the office a lot anymore by myself. Um, one of the things that happened there was a secretary, when I was in junior high, this is where I went to school, this is where I've grown up and everything, and I'm 44 now, but she died at school of a massive heart attack when I was in junior high, so she knew me very well. I was friends with her granddaughter, I'd been to her house, so I don't know if there's some link there. I don't know. And then the other weird thing that's happened to my family is my other son, who's still in high school, he uh, goes up to the gym. And this gym is really, really old. It's older than the high school. I think that the actual gymnasium part was built in the 40s. And then the lobby was added on the 60s. And it's got that mid-century architecture. But it's a really cool old gym. It kind of puts you in mind of Hoosiers. If you Google it, you can probably see it online. But anyways, he would go up there by himself because he would use my key like early in the morning. And he would shoot basketball or he'd lift weights, whatever. Well, he was out on the court shooting and he heard somebody yell his name from the locker room. And he told me, he said, Mom, I knew nobody was there, but he said, somebody said my name. I said, well, what did you do? And he said he went in the locker room to look to make sure. He said, because it kind of sounded like one of his coaches. And he said, nobody was in there. I said, well, what did you do then? He said, I just went back and started shooting. But that would freak me out. I would have left. Another high school teacher said she's actually seen, like, ghost kids when she's up there alone. I've never seen anything like that. I really hope I don't. And then I've had other teachers tell me other things, too, like hearing footsteps, bells ringing that don't even work anymore. Just a lot of weird things at this school that happen. Um, had, like, little kids talk to other things that aren't there and say that they saw somebody. But anyways, I wanted to call this in, um, listen to the show all the time. Big fan. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you, Heather. You know what I always say, places like churches, theaters, prisons, hospitals, where people gather in mass only for the space to later sit vacant, well those places tend to harbor some sort of energy after the fact. And in my opinion, schools are certainly no different. I'm not surprised in the slightest, Heather, but I am excited that you chose to share your story with us. So thank you again for calling in. Well, we've already had one awesome UFO encounter. So let's see if Angela's out of Arizona can continue the trend. Hello, Derek. My name is Angela. I grew up in Duncan, Arizona. I now reside in Phoenix. I've had lots of strange experiences happen to me through my life. I've seen lots of things. Today I'm calling you to let you know about one thing I saw when I was still living in Duncan about 15 years ago. My son was outside. It was in the evening time. And I could hear a, a, like a low, strong bit low humming and felt a very slight vibration. And my son come running in the house and goes, Mom, Mom, come outside. You have to see this. So I went outside and up in the sky, there was a lot of red lights. There was one in the middle that was bigger than the other ones. And I'm going to say probably about 20, 25 smaller red lights all around it. And they're just hanging there in the sky. And so we're standing there watching these lights, and then my mom and my stepdad pull in the yard, and right as they pull in the yard, all the lights just scatter in all different directions. I don't know for sure what it was. I don't think it could have been anything, you know, that the Army made, because these things were just, they were gone. They just, they were gone. 
very fast out of out of you. So that's one of my stories, and most of my stories are very short. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Angela. You know, it's funny. We talked about a low humming or buzzing sound on last week's episode, if I can recall correctly. Though that call ended with a possible alien abduction. So maybe you're lucky your family pulled into the driveway when they did, Angela. Because maybe those lights were sizing you both up. No, I suppose we'll never know. But at the very least, we have the story. So thanks again, Angela, for taking the time to call it in. And that, my friends, brings us near the end of tonight's broadcast. But not before we hear from Lois in the sunshine state of Florida. Hi, my name is Lois. I actually live in a little town just south of St. Augustine, Florida, which everyone knows is the oldest city. And there's a lot of Native American history as well as Hi, Monster Family. This is actually my second time calling. The first time my call got interrupted, I was attempting to tell you a story about an old Indian gentleman that my grandmother used to tell me stories about when I was younger, but it got caught off, and one of the podcasts you did, Season 2, Episode 13, started playing on my radio about the Wendigo, and I took that as a sign that I was telling the wrong story. So, again, my name is Lois, and I'm from St. Augustine, Florida, and there is a road that connects where I live, a little town called Hastings and St. Augustine. It's called 204. I work the midnight shift, and I normally go to head to work around 2 a.m., and this one particular night I was heading to work. I had eight hours of sleep. I'm a very logical person. I am a vet tech by trade, so I know all of my animals, especially here where I live. And I came upon this animal that I cannot explain. It actually happened about two months ago, two or three months ago or so. It'd probably be like the end of October 2021, beginning of November 2021, somewhere around in there. And again, I know my animals. I grew up in these woods. I've been here my whole life. We normally have deers that come up and down the side of the road out here, and I count them all on my way to work every single day. But this one particular time, there stood something that looked like a deer but wasn't quite a deer. It was a lot taller than the rest of the herd, and, I mean, it was pushing probably eight foot, My logical mind went, oh, it's just a buck up on his hind legs. But then I noticed that where it should have been a, you know, a nice white stomach was kind of a leathery texture. I don't want to say it was the Wendigo because I don't want to say that. But it definitely was not like the rest of the herd. It was definitely an unknown animal. Um, and it was up on its hind legs. It was bipedal versus on four, like the rest of the herd. And ever since that day, I have always been very careful going down this road since I ha- I'm on the road now, which is why I think it was I was supposed to tell this story versus the other story I was going to tell you. And every single day, 
in the same spot where I saw this is the same herd, but this thing is not there anymore. It was one and only time that I saw it. I was actually going through some spiritual issues at that moment in time anyways. So I'm not sure what it was, but I guess I will call back with the other story that I was going to tell you some other time. Let me know what you think. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Lois. When the phone gods speak, it's always wise to listen. Okay, let's break this one down, too. Deer are a very common animal in most places here in the United States, at least of one species or another. And in Florida, it's likely the white-tailed deer variety is the variety one would encounter. But despite the species, no deer should look or behave the way the one Lois saw did. Right? But would you still think that if you knew that there was something medically wrong with it? Well, tonight, a disease in deer that's spreading across the country has earned quite a frightening nickname. It's called the zombie deer disease. Now, so far, no cases have been reported here in Indiana. But according to the CDC, it's already been found in 24 other states. Now, the deadly illness is actually called chronic wasting disease. Once an animal gets infected, prions start eating away at their brains. The symptoms include weight loss, stumbling, lack of coordination, even drooling. Now, there have also been no reported cases of zombie deer disease at humans, but the CDC is urging everyone to avoid eating the meat of infected deer. Now, that clip courtesy of WTHR, NBC News 13 out of Indianapolis. And look, zombie deer disease is serious business, and it can make an infected animal behave in all sorts of strange ways. But would it affect it enough to cause the behavior that Lois described? Could it change the animal's appearance to the extent that she reported? In short, would chronic wasting disease cause a deer to walk on its rear legs? Well, maybe but I'm not sure I would count on it. Also, I found no evidence of the disease existing in the state of Florida. So if it's not a disease, what could it have been? Now I'm going to go ahead and put the kibosh on the whole Wendigo thing. The antlered image we see today is a very recent addition to the Wendigo legend. One added by a film crew, no less. So I'm confident in saying that it's not the Wendigo. But that leaves us with a relatively unknown phenomena from the nearby Appalachian mountain range. A phenomena known as not deer. They look like deer, but be warned, they're the furthest thing from the peaceful herbivores you're used to. They're called simply not deer. These creatures might look like deformed or mutated deer, they might seem to be deer, but behave aggressively, intelligently, or even malevolently. Some might even appear to be something else wearing the skin of a deer to disguise itself. What it truly is, we may never know. But what we do know is they're terrifying. Now that clip courtesy of Darkness Prevails on YouTube. And they go on to tell four purportedly true not deer encounter stories. So if your interest is piqued, the link is where you think it is. 
in the show notes. Now, from what I gather, the Nadir is an old Appalachian legend that seems to have a modern resurgence thanks to the app TikTok. And if I'm honest, I don't know how much I actually buy into the whole not-deer concept. Because deer are a plentiful animal, which means there's a lot of them roaming around. Which means they have better odds for some sort of genetic mutation, or freak injury or disease, that alters the behavior and appearance of one or two of them here or there. Maybe a front leg injury that causes a specific animal to walk on its rear legs. Maybe those front legs were injured in a vehicle strike. An impact that left road rash or torn flesh on the animal's underside, causing the zombie-like appearance. Or maybe the not-deer are real, going about their mysterious ways, incognito among the herd. A wolf in sheep's clothing, if you will. Now, regardless of what you believe... We thank you, Lois, for sharing the story. Because that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us was written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support was provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And if you don't mind helping us out, please leave us a rate and review wherever possible. Don't forget about YouTube. The hoodie order is in, everyone. So if you ordered a hoodie, well, it's being made as we speak. So I'll be sure to make an announcement when those things are ready to ship out. And finally, the score from tonight's episode was provided by Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, Co.ag Music, and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rain and keep it spooky out there. I'll talk to you next week. Now, tonight's secret entry comes to us from my state of California. Sherry, welcome aboard. Hi, Derek. Big fan, big fan. My name is Sheree. I'm actually calling about here at Blue Lakes, California, last year. Today is uh, Memorial Day weekend, 2021. And this actually happened about the same time last year. We're out here fishing in Blue Lakes, California, like I said. Trout fishing. I know you like that. I had just broken my leg a few months earlier, and um, I was just really excited because I was going to try to swim for the first time since doing that. I had this weird feeling. I just didn't feel quite right. And Blue Lakes, you know, it does have, uh, there's a story that there's no known bottom to the main lake because it's naturally spring-fed. They have all these stories about bodies, people drowning here in the Blue Lakes, and then they're found out in, you know, Fort Bragg because of the underwater caves and such. 
but it never really got to me until that day and I just had a strange feeling and maybe it was just me because I had a broken leg I don't know but I realized that my boyfriend also Chris was not acting quite right and it was toward the end of our fishing time it had gotten really warm and we were going to leave so we packed up got everything ready to go we got out of there and I kind of kept it to myself didn't seem like it was necessary for us to say anything or for me to say anything we got home back into Clear Lake and that night he asked me did you see anything across there across the lake on the other side of the bank I said no no I didn't see anything I like well I saw something and I said well what'd you see <laughs> you know was it a bird was it a peregrine was it a turtle I mean anything and no babe there was a shadow person over there the shadow person really I mean we're very spiritual we know about these things we've had many experiences he said but it just stared at me honey it just stared at me he said on the other side of the lake said, yeah I said well did it did it wave at you did it did you did it do anything he said no it just stared at me and I said when was this he said when you were in the water so why didn't you say anything to get me out of the water I was enchanted I just stood there staring so today we're out here fishing again in the exact same spot. I don't feel any eerie feelings at the moment, but I wonder if there's any other stories about Blue Lakes, California. It's right on the border of Mendocino and Lake County. There's something to this place. There's definitely something to this place. Thanks again, Derek. Can't wait to hear everything else that you always have to have come out. Good stories, good people, and um, appreciate what you're doing. Bye. Merci, Sherry. Well, how about it, folks? Anyone have any experiences from Blue Lakes, California? I know I'd love to hear them. Call our hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT or shoot me an email at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. Until then, Sherry, I'll keep my ears open. And thanks again for the entry. Now then, step right up, because everyone's a winner in the beyond. And if you're not a member, what are you waiting for? Just visit patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast. Then join the $5 level, and that gives you instant access to the rest of this episode and access to some 60 more hours of bonus content. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast. Now our first entry on tonight's Beyond is another possible screened alien abduction featuring more terrifying owls. Carissa from Washington. Welcome to the Beyond. Hi Derek, this is Carissa from Washington State. I'm calling to tell you about a spooky experience I had about two or three months ago now. I think it was early September. 